How did you feel listening to that? Did you feel uncomfortable? Did you feel disgusted? Or did you sing along? Or did you feel undecided? That too is a position, by the way. You can feel that. Did you feel weird? I'll tell you what. Over the last couple of years, if you go out to a party, a club, or whatever the case may be, and at least I've experienced this, and the DJ plays an R. Kelly song, he would instantly get booed and people would stop dancing, people would stop singing along, because there seemed to have been an overwhelming consensus in society. We can't listen to this man. He's a vile human being, a rapist, unequivocally so. This was even before the documentary uh, Surviving Aunt Kelly. This was definitely before his prosecution and conviction. And R. Kelly has now been prosecuted and convicted and continuously prosecuted, right? There are multiple moments where we've seen the justice system work, especially in America. R. Kelly has been convicted to many, 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 many years in jail. So many years, he's going to die in prison. Right? And he's still being prosecuted for multiple more counts of rape, kidnapping, molestation, whatever the case may be. As should be the case, right? But justice has been served. When you and I cancelled R. Kelly, so to speak, we knew we were doing it because you can't continue to enterprise and oxygenate a vile rapist. That justice has not yet been served. Justice has now served. Can you and I, and this conversation is about redemption, can we redeem, not the rapist, but can we redeem ourselves as listeners and consumers of art and music? Can we redeem ourselves and say, ah, that man is finally in jail, justice has been served. We can now go back to listening to his music, watching his movies, watching his music video. It's not just about R. Kelly. In South Africa, there are multiple examples. Bricks, for instance was a Kwaito artist. He's in jail for rape. We realize that part of canceling someone is to deplatform them, to not allow them to be able to continue to strike trauma and fear into the hearts of a society within which rape is ubiquitous. Right? The question we now ask is, what now? Can you now finally go listen to an artist's music when justice has been served. Is there redemption in cancel culture? Not for the cancelled, but for, I guess, the people who are deplatforming, the listeners, the consumers. Is there redemption for us in that instance? A couple of weeks ago, I was once again in an establishment of joy. And R. Kelly's song came up, but this time around, it was on a jukebox. It wasn't through a DJ. So no one could boo the song away, right? It was on a juke. It means one of the patrons paid money to play the song. And we just had to sit through it and listen to it. And I realized some people were singing along. One such person was a friend of mine, a friend who identifies as a staunch feminist. And she said, I am finally able to listen to some of my favorite R. Kelly music again because he's finally been in, he's finally in jail. Justice has been served and justice is being served. I will no longer be betraying the movement by listening to his music. And I thought that was an interesting argument to me.
And I thought it's such it's such a complex situation that I have to invite people who spend their time thinking about cancel culture, feminism, deplatforming as a means of mobilizing a society to execute justice where the justice system either hasn't yet met up with us or has failed us. And to that extent, I have invited Nolazi Tusini, uh, Nolazi, um, former radio producer, former media practitioner, but Nolazi is a feminist reader, feminist scholar, um, and Nolazi is uh, heading up the communications and media desk out at Irati. Nolazi, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for agreeing to come onto this show to have what is an incredibly difficult conversation to have. How did you feel when you were listening to the song just now? Um, is that uh, good morning, Oliver? Thank you, first of all, for having me on the show. Um, to answer your question, I'm in, I mean, I felt very incredibly frustrated, um, and and to be quite honest with you, co-opted into into a thing that I I didn't agree with because I am firmly against the the playing of R. Kelly's music. So to be invited on a platform and then have R. Kelly's music um, play is incredibly frustrating for me, um, and and not just uncomfortable but uh, yeah frustrating and angering um because of the position that i hold and if had i had i known i probably would have had very big reservations had i known because what's going to happen after this show is that your producer is going to fill in a form about the music that you've played on this show this morning and that song is going to be on it and then the process of the royalties and the money being paid is then going to proceed in the ways that it's supposed to 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 do so um as it relates to the music business and it's just um, I'm upset that I am now a part of that by being on this show. That's my first thing. Um, the the second bit would then be that um, generally my my position has not changed in the past couple of years as it relates to the muting of R. Kelly's music. I, I don't know if I, I should go on and expand now. I don't want to take too much time in my first response, but um, just to say that it is important for the muting of R. Kelly's music to continue because there were particular reasons which have not been met um, and, and and certain things which have not been met in order that, that uh, resulted in the call for his music to be muted. So it wasn't necessarily only about him going to jail, right? Because mute R. Kelly started as... A, a part of feminist praxis and what feminists were saying and the reason why we decided to support create and and put oxygen behind that hashtag and that campaign was about creating a society where sexual offenders sexual predators people who who enact a sexual violence in general, but in particular on children and minors, cannot be continued, cannot be allowed to continue to live a life without consequence. That's the first thing, right? But the second thing then becomes what kind of society are we creating when we try and separate that kind of human from the products um, that they 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 put into the world, which gave them a particular kind of power and influence that allowed them to live without consequence despite enacting um, horrendous acts of violence. And that is that is the conversation. And the last bit of the conversation would be around, there can be no redemption, Oliver, you were asking about if people can be redeemed and whatnot, but there can be no redemption without expression of remorse. There can be no redemption without any kind of, of conversation about atonement. And that has not happened. That conversation has not happened. So I don't understand yeah. how we are skipping to redemption. It's like the original sin of the South African Rainbow Nation being reenacted again in this instance. Yeah. 
perhaps so 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 three points there right perhaps let's start with the last and then work our way backwards around redemption so i think perhaps a reframe um i i agree with you 100% there can be no redemption for the artist the uh, the uh, person who enacted these vile transgressions of society raping uh, molesting uh, kidnapping to a large extent as well there certainly can be the question of redemption is less for the artist about them being redeemed but more so for the listeners the consumers right so if you take a commitment to say i will not oxygenate and enterprise such an artist until justice is served and you stick to that commitment and then justice does get served that is to say set transgressor in whatever case it may be do end up in jail um and they have a by some stretch of the imagination a comparable um sentencing right so in R Kelly's case a very 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 uh, long sentence to in the mind of the person who made that commitment can they say i've made the commitment i've stuck to it and now that justice has been served i'm redeeming myself i will allow myself once again to go back to listening to music i once enjoyed to go back and watch a movie i once enjoyed is that a conversation that's useful for consumers is that a conversation that's useful for i guess a society collectively to be able to make those sort of decisions and then there is the complexities of what does it mean to oxygenate an enterprise and artist like as you say royalties will go to said artist um and and those complexities are definitely inextricable from all the other parts of the conversation and i think that's why the conversation to a large extent um is a complex one but if you ask about redemption for the listener does it exist i want you to answer that nolazi but before you do let's take a quick break 0860002032 give us a call if you'd like to be a part of the conversation is there redemption for the listener for the consumer that is the question i'm asking um in the midst of uh what is a necessary movement of muting and cancellation and deplatforming uh an artist who transgresses society so grotesquely that it would be immoral to not do so 0860002032 i'm in conversation with nolazi to see me nolazi is there redemption for the listener the consumer nolazi oh it seems we may have lost nolazi over there this is what i hate hi hi sorry Oh there we go. I'm back. Oh there we go. <clears throat> Sorry I had muted myself during the ad break. Pardon me. Um I know there's there's no redemption for for the listener. I think so there are a number of things you you keep speaking about how justice has been served and I think that that perhaps that's an important place for us to begin this sure. conversation, right? The understanding that the the legal criminal justice system offers justice to um victims of sexual violence is a fallacy, right? Um in 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 a number of ways the first big way is obviously as a country that has had particular kind of public discourse around gender based violence and the ways in which the system fails victims there's that part of it right but even in general and i'm talking about societies globally so the american legal system as well as the south african yeah. legal system don't 
don't give justice to victims of violence, be it sexual violence or whatnot, because there is no conversation or no work done um, towards restoration. And justice requires a restorative process. So there is a punitive process that happens, right? right? But post the punitive process, there is no process of restoring that which has been harmed, broken, damaged, etc., etc., in the process of the crime that was committed. And so, yes, R. Kelly has been sentenced to 30 years in prison, right? But And and therefore, the criminal uh, system has done its work. But justice has not been served because there has not been a restorative process which would include um, a sense of remorse and atonement. And if the perpetrator does not want to atone or express remorse, then there needs to be another restorative process. If the conversation you and I were having right now, Oliver, was about the fact that the streams, the money from his music was then going to be given to um, the victims, his victims, then that would be a completely different conversation because now we're going to within the realm of restoring, right? And that hasn't happened. So him being in jail is, is, is a good thing, right? But it's not a thing where we can say, yes, the process is done. Now the situation has been solved. It was an important win in the conversation around sexual violence. But it is not the ultimate win. It is not the panacea. It is not the hill. And it is not the promised land. So that is the first thing. And if you look at it, by playing R. Kelly's music, you continue, regardless of you made the commitment and now he's jail, he's in jail, you continue to finance his estate. The very same estate that he's using to fight his legal battles, the very same estate that will pay his lawyers should he choose to appeal this particular sentencing at any given point in time. The same estate that gives him a, a, a level of power because just because he's in prison doesn't mean that him being a multi-millionaire, billionaire person, he does not have power within the prison system even then. So that is what you're continuing to finance. You continue to finance the predator and the sexual uh, perpetrator's comfort in the world, even as he's within the prison system. And his ability to be able to stay out of jail for as long as he did, even when the court cases started, was as a function of the access to money and influence that he has. The fact that it even took so long to get him into the the criminal justice system and into is because of that. That is what you're financing by playing Art Kelly's music. Not to mention the what I can imagine is the traumatizing of his countless victims hearing his music go on the radio and be praised and people having a great time. And so I think the conversation here has to be about why are people attached to what is essentially fruits of a poisonous tree? Why are you so attached to pieces of work as if there's no other musician in the world who has created good music in the 90s? And I know it's our childhood, but why would Mm, you be so mm. attached to that over creating a society that makes sure that people who live within the society are safe. Yeah. Why would you do that? Let's pause on the conversation around justice and the completion of justice and what that looks like. You make the point um, that justice is not complete without restoration. Um, and therefore, you can't call it justice without that element being fulfilled. Um, and then you also speak to the fact that it can restoration can manifest in different ways, right? Um, it could be um, a you know an indication of remorse when you see real remorse or 
restorative actions coming from the perpetrator or um, something to the extent that um, whatever enterprising happens towards his estate would go directly to, say, victims or um, communities that that are, you know, broken apart, torn apart as a result of the transgression. In that instance, you say that that is a form of, of, of restorative justice as well. Is there an instance where restoration becomes, I guess, physically impossible? So an example would be around Michael Jackson, for instance, right? While there is no conviction, there certainly is credible linkages of Michael Jackson, credible evidence of Michael Jackson having done the same heinous acts of rape, molestation, and and uh, uh, kidnapping. Yet he's not alive, for instance, to be a part of a restorative process. Is that, and if restoration becomes physically in, in, impossible, does that mean that the justice process will never ever be complete? That having a perpetrator as part of the restore as the process of restorative justice is important, but it's not necessary. Michael Jackson not being alive or to to be able to atone and participate in that process does not mean that that process cannot begin to happen. The issue here is that we don't think about re re restorative justice. We think about rehabilitation. We think about redemption, but we don't have not as societies applied our minds to think through what are the processes and the steps that need right. to happen before we get to redemption and whatnot and what does restorative justice look like and so i mean i'm throwing out ideas here i haven't applied my mind to these specific cases happy to do it at uh, at, at another juncture and have the conversation again but what is happening with michael jackson's estate is can they be for example, some educational material around his music or whatever it is, right? There are many, if we take the time to do the work to think through what a restorative justice process would look like, that process need not have the person alive and here. Because again, it's not about punishing them. It's not about having a body here to yeah. hold necessarily to a particular kind of accountability. It is to say that we are acknowledging that something within our society has been damaged and broken and that we do not want to put a plaster on over it and think that it is not going to bubble up and get infected and come up again. So as a society, what systems and mechanisms are we putting in place to restore that which has been damaged, that which has been broken by right. the kinds of men that our society creates, by the way, yeah. right? So how do we do that? That's a very, very, very important point to make. How do we restore society? Give us a call, 086-000-2032, It's a minute after half past 10. Let's take a news headlines with En Musa. Hi, Oliver. Um, just my opinion on R. Kelly is just listening to that song. I, I don't really listen to much of his music. Um, it's just the cry. I don't know who wrote the song, but it just speaks of somebody crying out for help. And um, yeah, I think he also went through some element of, of um, trauma and fighting, trying to get out of of this prison of, of sexual inclinations that he was having. So, yeah, this is um, a sad, in Bloemfontein. 
Sandy in the Eastern Cape. Good morning. Hi, Oliver. How are you, Sandy? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. What's in your mind? Um, look, the whole council culture for me is very interesting. And I, I well, with regards to R. Kelly, I, I was convicted, number one. Um, of course, I support the whole issue of him being prosecuted. Uh, he did very bad things. Um, but with, I did cancel him for a while, but it was tough for me to cancel him because, I mean, we know R. Kelly wrote and produced, produced music for other artists like Aliyah, who is the victim of, this, of the man, uh, mm. the life of Tony Braxton and Kat Franklin. So I was conflicted as to what do I cancel, what do I stop listening to, and why, what do I not stop listening to? Because also I did not want to punish people who worked with him, um, who did not who had nothing to do with the crimes that he made, mm. um, that he did. Uh, but for me, I feel after a person is being prosecuted, um, whether what happens after that, the, the whole issue of redemption is, is too big for me. I also feel maybe I'm looking at it from a Christian perspective. I, you know, so it, it, it's the guy is conflict is 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 is, is, is incarcerated. Mm. You know, so he's paying for his sins. For as far as I'm concerned, I don't. I don't think we can then ask for anything more or um, beyond that. Um, I do listen to him um, now. Um, I do have feelings when I listen to him. I don't want to lie, but I do listen to him now that he's he's in prison. Yeah, Nolwazi makes the argument, uh, Sandy, that justice is not complete when restoration has not been attempted. What do you what do you make of that? We, you know, some of the things we can't control, Oliver. I I feel um, we can't. Um, and at the end of the day, I think we should just let people decide um, what they want to do, yeah. whether they want to go on and listen to R. Kelly or not. I mean, the guy is in prison. Briggs is in prison. You know, um, there are people who who I stopped listening to Briggs as well. But then I remembered Briggs has has a family uh, who who possibly um, are benefiting from the sales and everything. Now are we then going to punish them while the guy is being punished for his sins? Because you know, there's a lot of conflict that I feel when it comes to these things. But if a person, for me personally, for me personally, if a person is paying for their sins. That should be enough, mm. because I think for me the whole cancel culture is, is is sort of a a movement to bring to the attention of the powers to that be that there is a problem. Please do something. There is a problem here, and I think we've sort of achieved what we wanted to achieve when we cancelled him um, at the time. And justice has played its role. Mm. I don't want to be caught up in the whole issue of redemption. I feel it's too big. I feel. There isn't much. It's not within my control. I try by all means not to deal with issues that I can't control. Mm. Sandy, thank you so much for your call. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Nolazi, do you want to reflect on uh, on, on, on Sandy's position? Um, it's a b- what I'm starting to see, a commonly held position by a lot of people that there is not a monolithic view uh, on what cancel culture is meant to achieve and how success looks like. Um, and that for different people, it may have a different benchmark. You know, Oliver, I think <clears throat> I, I always have a level of frustration with the ways in which 
people, societies talk about how there is a, 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 a recognition of the ways in which this society thinks South Africa, let me speak about the one that I exist in, is particularly hostile towards women and children um, in the kinds of violence that women and children and queer people in this country are exposed to just by virtue of being and existing in particular kind of bodies. We hear up and down left, right and center that this the issues of IPV and GBV are very important issues that must be sorted out. And yet when the time comes to essentially put your money where your mouth is, people flounder and, and find all sorts of interesting sort of um, reasons as to as to why not to commit to to do the work. So cancel culture was less about giving not cancel culture, the mutual Kelly movement was less about um getting the powers that be to prosecute R. Kelly. And it was about it was a commentary on the kind of society that we want to create for ourselves where a abuser can continue to go and fill up stadiums. That's what that's Ooh, no lazy. Do we still have you there? The network is choppy. That's what happens during load shedding. The network gets choppy. Uh, let's see if we can get Nolazi back on, on a better line. Keep those calls coming in. 086-000-2032. Let's speak to John in Bloemfontein. John, good morning. Uh, good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm fantastic, sir. Go ahead. Uh, Oliver, I just want to concept, uh, con comment on the redemption issue uh, with regards to artists. I feel like it's a crazy concept to dislike uh, an artist's music based on a on their personal level because we don't know what was behind their motivation when they write songs and how they are in their personal life. So I feel like we cannot really judge their music as much as we judge their person. If you look at rap music in, in context, it's all about violence and disrespect, but you cannot judge a person based off their lyrics. I feel like we should separate the two. As much as what Arkeli did was wrong, the law should just take its of course, and the process should be followed. If he is guilty, he is in jail, and then the issue will deal with that. But with regard to his profession and his music, I think the two should be separated. Mm. So, so, so can I ask you this? Nolazi made this point earlier, and I think it's a very, very important point to, 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 to not take into consideration. And that is the argument that when you listen to an artist's music, they continue to make money off of that, right? They continue to be enterprised. Their estate makes money based off of royalties and all of that sort of stuff. It is that money which they use to continue to fight their legal battles and evade justice. So if you're saying the justice system should take its course and these people are well-resourced, and in the case of famous artists, it is often the case that they are incredibly well-resourced uh, to be able to go ahead and fight and evade justice for as long as possible. Therefore, justice really doesn't completely take its course uh, in the vast majority of cases. Um, and so if you continue to uh, enterprise them by listening to their music, that's exactly what you're doing. Um, what do you make to that argument, John? Do you understand that position? I understand that position. Can I say my argument for my side? If, if that is the case, Oliver, if you really wanted to disarm the people to fight their legal battles, we just have to save their account. I don't think our Kelly needs our support or our streaming numbers now to fight for the legal battle now. Our Kelly is still spending money for 1990. We're still spending it now. It's probably still rich enough. So that argument really doesn't hold basis in terms of big artists like our Kelly. He doesn't really need me to play music on YouTube or Spotify to make money. He has the money. My argument is simple. Let's separate the two. 
let's enjoy the music without personifying it. Because streaming doesn't really help most of these artists, especially our... No, but it does. It makes a lot, it generates a lot of money. And if you're a globally famous artist, it's a lot of money. But if I've been honest, for legendary artists like R. Kelly, streaming doesn't help. For our new generation artists, yeah, I can argue they are reaching off streams and everything else. R. Kelly doesn't really need airplay or anything anymore. R. Kelly has been since way, way back. So whether we play his music or not, he doesn't help in any way financially. I don't know if I'm making sense, but that is the honest truth. So I really feel like we should learn to separate it. So I'm not condoning or justifying what he did as wrong. But I feel like we have a right to enjoy the music without personifying it, without like limiting it or constraining it. But mm. if they really mm. maybe just a f- just the final question I have for you before I go go back to Nolazi, uh, right. uh, John, is this argument? Um, we should make a commitment as society, um, Nolazi says, to create a society that's safe for victims of gender-based violence and sexual abuse, right, and okay. rape. Okay, and that. It's weird for us and just bl- plain blank immoral for us to have a stronger commitment to listening to an artist's music over creating a safe society. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I don't know if I'm thinking about it from my perspective. I feel like our color's music doesn't really promote gender violence. I understand that he. No, again, it's not about what the music says. Right, okay. it's about oxygenating the artist, making them ever present in a society we chose to say we are trying to change. Uh, Oliver, can I be brutally honest? Cancel culture is not good. It doesn't work. If the cancel culture works, then they should have removed all of music from the radio station. So we can argue cancel culture. We can go on to it. Doesn't work. It doesn't exist. They've canceled Kanye West millions of times. It's still popping up everywhere. So. Cancel culture doesn't work. I don't know if that answers your question, but cancel culture doesn't work. Yeah. I feel like it's a new approach, but cancel culture doesn't work. Yeah, not it doesn't quite speak to the question I asked, but thank you so much for your call. Really, really do appreciate it. Nolazi, um before we lost you there, you were you were making a point. Yeah, I've, I've, it's, it's escaped my mind on the but I can't quite remember the point that I was making. <clears throat> so I think I mean the exact point, but I think the, the bigger thing in response to the, the gentleman you just spoke to and your first caller was, was around the ways in which we contort ourselves in order to make room and make space for things that we say we are against, right? And so there's mm. this commitment to playing actually music because it's my childhood or whatever, whatever. And all of these, uh, these you know, uh, arguments that are now coming up in support of what is, I quite agree with you, I believe in a moral decision if you are a person that is against sexual violence. Um, and so now now we're having, and, and, and I think this is a derailment, so I'm not going to spend too much time on the details of the argument, but now we're talking about Arkeli's always had money, um, the money that he's making now is not he's not making money from streaming. Now like we're having random, ridiculous conversations, mm. <laughs> right? In, because we're trying to justify a thing that actually should be unjustifiable. The fact of the matter is, if someone is a sexual predator and a perpetrator of violence, that person, if they do not 
express any kind of remorse if they do not do work of restoring what they have been broken and work around rehabilitation. That person should be ostracized from our society if we are saying that we want to build a society where these kinds of things do not happen. It's just as simple as that. Mm. And it needs to be a hard line because the situation that we're dealing with is quite frankly way beyond the crisis situation. And, and I keep asking, I don't understand why it is that people are attached to the work of a person whose personhood and actions they claim to find disgusting and immoral, but they are attached to this person's art, and suddenly there's now a separation. And also the thing about, you know, people like talking about Arkele's music like the storm is over and I believe I can fly, as if he didn't have songs with incredibly hypersexualized lyrics, which mm, when you listen mm, to them and mm. you watch that documentary, have very disturbing similarities to the sexual abuse claims. So he was making money writing songs about the things, the violence that he was enacting on women. And now we must sit and have a conversation about whether or not he's getting money from the streaming because you want to listen to his music. And we don't want to be honest about the facts, which the actual facts of the matter, which is you don't actually care mm. about violence against women. You don't because you are not willing to do the work through your discomfort some of the things that you need to let go to actually create that kind of society. And in two weeks, people are going to be on Twitter when another woman dies and another woman is raped, up in arms, like doing all this performative, these performative things instead of doing... And then now we have to talk about how things are not in your control. Whether or not you press play on Arcade's music is in your control. Mm. Whether or not you allow you stay and sit in a space where his music is playing is in your control. And all of those small actions of integrity matter yeah are you going to do it or not an earlier point that sandy made was what she finds difficult about the commitment to muting deplatforming and canceling somebody uh, especially in the instance of r kelly's how far reaching their work was um in the embodiment of other artists discographies right um and she says for instance she what she's in an awkward position because it's like do I stop listening to Aaliyah? Do I stop listening to all the other artists R. Kelly wrote music for? Because the royalties attached there are distributed uh, um, accordingly, right? Um, mm. How far reaching should then the commitment um, by society be? So here's the thing: in terms of Aaliyah, just specifically, if you're listening to AJ nothing but a number that entire album, yeah, you shouldn't be quite frankly, that our album is a documentation of Aliyah's abuse. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, the, the the second thing is, is that, you know, then it becomes complex. This is a conversation that I'm then willing to, to delve a little bit into it. I think for me personally, um, the, the, the certain artists, for example, such as Celine Dion, who have removed their, their co-creator projects with Art Kelly from their discovery and from whatnot because they don't want to earn money from it. And I think that for me, it would be have to be like on an ad hoc basis in those ways because there's certain musicians that you wrote things for, for who cannot make that kind of decision that Celine Dion made, and that's fine. But I, I think it's also important to note, when Oliver, that um, it is interesting, the first big allegations against R. Kelly happened in 1994. It's literally taken 20 years, over 20 Almost 30, years. actually. Yeah, almost 30 years, and I don't know how many women 
to finally get this man in jail, right? Throughout that time, if you watched in particular a surviving Arkady, you will see that people that were around him, that were working with him, knew the shit that was happening, pardon me for saying, knew the things that were happening um, around him, knew that he had an affinity for young women, that he was sexually abusing young women, that he was sexually abusing Aliyah. His managers knew, the producers he worked with knew, radio record music studio people knew. And I'm mentioning this because they knew, they saw, and they continued to work with him. So this casting of other artists he worked with as like these innocent people who are now going to, oh my goodness, suffer if we meet R. Kelly is also dishonest. Yeah. Give us a call, 086 Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we continue the conversation. Good morning, Elie Oliver. It's Daniela in Deben. You know, to take the abuse of women, children and, and women, seriously, this song should have been banned. Especially all his music should have been banned the, the, the time he was convicted. It's just, it, it's look like those people with money, we are just, it, 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 the, the, the justice is just massaging them. It should have been banned long time. That first voice note, uh, I think, not to be dismissive of the voice note, right? Um, because I, it, it sounds like a sincere, genuine question. But um, I think Nolazi once again speaks to uh, an attempt to over technicalize the whole process right and using language terribly here but to make it so technical that it becomes uh you know there's there's so much plausible deniability and say yeah but what about so and so and so and so what an artist right i think it would be a social commitment um to be able to create a safe society but perhaps then to ask this question to speak to the heart of it because you've answered it in various points already perhaps to just tie it all together what yeah, does I, what does a society safe of sexual violence truly look like in justice, in practice, and in principle? My goodness, that is a that is a big question to ask Oliver. Certainly not a question that I can answer now on this show, but absolutely not a question that I can answer by myself as a one feminist human existing in the world. Um, that that is a big question also and 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 an important one right and so i don't think necessarily that having the answer right away is important but yeah. asking the question and working towards the answers is important so as it relates for me i think that we need to begin to have a conversation about restoration post the punitive process i think that we have seen in many different variations how the current carceral system of punishment and <clears throat> dealing with uh, criminal behavior that we have in South Africa and generally globally does not work what it does. It means that we have a legal system that is overburdened with uh, cases and issues that it does it, it it does not have the complexity and nuance to hold as it relates to sexual violence cases. It means that we have a system that focuses on punishment, but a, a punishment that is embedded into a racist system as well and a classist system, which has particular implications for black bodies, for poor bodies, 
for queer bodies, etc. And these are the things that we need to begin to unravel, right? Because everything is interlinked and there's no way to fix the ways in which the justice system fails victims of sexual violence and gender-based violence and intimate partner violence without looking at the system as a whole as opposed to looking at that one unit. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, I think the most important thing for me, Oliver, I would say in answering that question, becomes social compacts around who it is. There is a huge gap between who South Africans imagine themselves to be, who South Africans say we are, and who we actually are in practice. That gap needs to close. And that gap closes through people personally committing to a particular kind of society and then committing to acting with integrity within that society, which is to say, regardless of whether or not there is a Nolwazi watching, at any given point in time, you are going to make decisions and behave in a matter that is in line with who you imagine yourself to be and who you say you are, which does not happen in the society. And so if you say that you care about sexual violence against women and against minors, and I want to remind people that the sexual violence that Kelly enacted was not against women, it was against children, it was against minors, teenagers. Right? Because mm. people are acting like it was grown women. It was not. Aliyah was 15 when he married her illegally with the help of some of the people that I now must calculate royalties for, by the mm. way. Mm. Um, so if you say that there's a thing that you care about, I, I struggle to fit into my brain and comprehend the cognitive dissonance that would then say, but I can still listen to his music because it's nice. Mm. Uh, maybe a, a final a final theme I want us to explore as we wrap up is can music and artistic output even the most righteous thereof be violent and what does violence mean that is to say if you listen to R. Kelly's gospel era music right that too can be violent not just the music around um, grooming the music that are um, quite explicitly sexual towards children as that fed into his uh, pedophilia. Uh, can artistic output, even when righteous and good meaning in tone and message, be violent? Absolutely. Absolutely it can, Oliver. And I truly believe that continuing to have um, Kelly's artistic output exist with a particular, and have a particular kind of stature in the world is a, is, 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 is a violence and a re-traumatizing of his victims. It is. Because it is that very same artistic output that allowed for him to amass the kind of power and influence that allowed him to do this for over three decades unchecked. Mm. Right? But beyond that, it sanitizes him. Every time you're playing the film is over and all of his these inspirational gospel songs, you are sanitizing the image of R. Kelly. Mm. Because in the minds and perceptions of the people that are listening to the, this inspirational song, he stops being what he is, which is a rapist, an abuser, and a pedophile. Mm. He becomes an inspirational man who has gone through the hardships of life and is just doing the best he can, this poor black man. I mean, one of the voice notes that you played already, immediately after you played that song, there was that voice note about, oh my goodness, it sounds like he was also struggling through his sexual proclivities and inclinations or whatever the hell it is. And that's the thing. So you play his inspirational music and you sanitize him over and over and over again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Lazi, thank you so much for, for, for coming on to the show. Really, really, really do appreciate it. Um, as always, uh, thank you for your feminist work. Thank you for your insights. Um, and stay strong. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Much for having me, Oliver.